I, uh, I love Baby Dedication Day. It's so fun. Uh, thanks, parents, for allowing us to be a part of that. Uh, I, it, no offense to whoever sits over here normally, but today it was really fun to watch the worship going on over here because there was all these little ones bouncing on knees and all of them were smiling and happy. There was no like, uh, it, was, it was really a beautiful thing just to kind of watch uh, the worship space happening there. Uh, welcome. Happy Mother's Day. Mom's in the room. Uh, we're so grateful for you. We're so thankful for you and for all that you do. Uh, how many of you had a mom who was a lunchbox Bible verse mom? I mean, raise, raise it like you're, you're in your lunchbox. There was a Bible verse and like an encouraging note. How many? Not that, not that many. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some, how many of you are that mom? You were the mom or you are the mom that is doing that? Uh, I don't know if kids even have lunchboxes anymore. I don't, they, we used to have the cool like silver transformers, you know, whatever, G.I. Joe, whatever was cool going on. Uh, my mom, every day, elementary school, there was a different Bible verse. Uh, there was a different little thing in there and just a little like, here's some scripture for you today. I was like in kindergarten and there was like, Leviticus in my in my in my uh, in my lunchbox every day, and my mom just like my mom loved the Word of God, and, and and I really can honestly say this: I don't think there's anyone in my life who believed that I should be a pastor more than my mom. Uh, I still don't think there's anyone in my life who <laughs> believes that I should be a pastor more than my mom. Uh, my mom saw the best in me. My mom called out the best in me. My mom taught me to root my identity in Jesus. My mom taught me to love the word of God. I always tell people, my dad taught me how to be a man. My mom taught me how to love Jesus. And she formed me and shaped me. And uh, my mom turned 70 years old just last week. And uh, I'm so, so grateful for her. And so today we're in James chapter 1, and we're talking about having a genuine faith, and we're talking about being hearers and doers of the word, and we're talking about falling in love with the word of God. And, and here's what we do around here. We don't really frame a Mother's Day sermon around mothers. We don't like, like we're going to do Proverbs 31 today or something like, like that. We just kind of, we're, we're just teaching through the Bible. We're just teaching through whatever we're teaching through. And uh, it's, it's made some weird Mother's Day, I think, sermons. I think last year, Allie had to preach about tribulation or something like that on Mother's Day. There was something strange that happened there. Uh, but, th- but this year, it's just really beautiful how this passage took shape and how the Lord gave us this passage about loving the Word of God about being hearers and doers of the word, because I think for many of us in the room, our mothers were an example of just that. They were the model for us of what that looks like. So as we've been walking through James chapter one, you guys can open your Bibles there, but we've been talking about trials and temptations. James chapter one is very specific, it's very direct, it goes in, right? It doesn't hold back. There is very specific instructions for us when we face trials of any kind. It's developing perseverance in us. Um, We're talking through how do we resist temptation? How do we walk in temptation? What does God do for us in the midst of trials and in the midst of temptation? And and then we kind of get to the back end of James chapter one, which is we're gonna start with verse 16 today, and it starts getting really practical. 
So what we've done so far over the last, I don't know, has it been four or five weeks, we've been kind of talking about the theological implications of all of this and the big picture vision of all of this. And then James goes in a little more practical, like this is the how-to. So how do we resist temptation? What does it look like for us to stand in the middle of trials and temptations? How do we have this genuine faith in the midst of a world that's tricky and hard and difficult? And, And what do we do? And, and so I, I want to jump in, and here's what I want to do today. I just want to walk through the, the rest of James chapter 1, and I want to just kind of frame it up. Here's what it says, and then I just want to ask us some questions, and I want to ask us just to reflect on those questions. And I know that it's easy at the church to kind of hear these questions and kind of just let them go in one ear and out the other. I think that's actually what this passage is talking about here. And so I want us just to posture ourselves to just say, Lord, search my heart and know me today. If there's anything that I need to learn in this, will you help me to learn it? Uh, I really do believe we live in a culture right now that is really good at telling everybody else what to do, but not being terribly self-reflective. We're very concerned what everyone else is doing, while sometimes not very concerned about what's going on in our own hearts. The Bible talks about that quite a bit. There's some things with timbers and Things in our eyes and all of those kinds of things, if we dig in really deep to understanding what this all looks like. And so James chapter 1 starts with this principle. It's that God gives us good gifts, and one of, those, one of the best gifts is his word. And so James chapter 1, verse 16 says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a, a kind of first fruits of his creation, of his creatures. Um, so remember, the scriptures talked about God is not the one that's tempting you. Right? That's what we talked about last week. God is not the one that's tempting you, but actually what he's doing is he's giving you good gifts. He's giving you what you need. And and there are times and there are moments when we cannot see the good gifts that God has given us, right? There is is a posture that that James is talking about here around gratitude and thankfulness. Gratitude actually shapes us. Like there is something that happens in our mind. Did you guys know that a negative thought, one, the reason why negative things stick with us is because a negative thought sets off patterns in our brain that makes a negative thought stick with us five times longer than a positive thought. So when something negative is going on in our mind, when we get that, the reason you, you get that negative email at, week, at, at work, anybody with me, you could get like one negative thing and it just ruins your day, it's because that sets off some kinds of patterns in your mind and it's, it's triggering things in our brainwaves that positivity doesn't do. And so we actually have to work hard to be positive. We actually have to work hard to allow gratitude to shape us. Uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot, and I, I, I was going through a really difficult season in my life. I think I was in my mid-20s. And I was just kind of, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I, and, and I can be a little bit of a negative person. If you guys know me well, I don't always see the bright side of things. I'm, 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 a, I'm a glass half empty kind of person. I, I can always kind of see the bad side of things. I'm always critiquing everything. And, and it's not a positive 
trait. You can ask my wife about that. Uh, it's not the most positive thing about me. And so I was a young kid. I was going through all this process, and I, I went to see a therapist. I was, I was working with a counselor. And, and here's the thing that the counselor told me, and I, this has never left me. Uh, the counselor said this, I want you this week to just recognize when you receive a good gift, and I want you to name that it's from God, and I want you to say out loud, thank you, Jesus. And I don't want you to like mitigate what a good gift is. Anything that's good, just name it. If you, like a, like a song comes on the radio and you're like, that's my jam, then good and perfect gift that comes from the Father, right? If, if a friend calls you and is just like a fun conversation and you laugh, it's great, laughter's good. It's every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Thank you, Jesus. When, uh, when you're having a meal and it's like, oh, this is good. Like, this food is good. There's something about this meal. This is not microwavable. Like, this is not instant. This is delightful, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so my therapist had me for, like, many weeks in a row just starting to learn to orient my heart towards gratitude and to see that when something good and positive and bright and, 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 and exciting and fun and joy-filled happens in my life, that that comes from the Father and to say thank you. I was driving into work this morning, and I wasn't even thinking about this sermon. I was driving into work. I live out on, on, in, in the West End, on West, in, kind of in West Cobb, and I drive past the battlefield, and I was driving through the battlefield, and all the trees were there, and the sun was just like shining through the trees in this really beautiful way, and I said out loud, thank you, Jesus. It's just a pattern that I've tried to develop in my life of recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father because we can be so negative and we can see all the negative things piling up, but gratitude actually forms something beautiful in us. And so my challenge to you this week is to start just seeing this week, especially if you're down, especially if you're discouraged, especially if you're feeling like, God, where are you? God, why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this? And, and you're, you're adding all of these things up. Start adding up the things that, aren't, that are happening. Start paying attention to the ways that God is present and that he is working. And so the first question that I want to ask today is, are you practicing gratitude? Are you seeing the good gifts that have been given to you? Because if you are, it forms us and shapes us in a way that James says is positive and is good. And so maybe this week, this is the practice for you. Every time you receive a good and perfect gift from the Father, either say out loud, or sometimes it would be awkward to say out loud. You might be in a work meeting or something. And, uh, but, but say it in your mind. Thank you, Jesus. Just name it. Name that that was a good gift. And not only was that a good gift, name where it came from. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we can receive a good gift. Oh, that was good, that was great, that was fun. But we don't name the author of the good gift. We don't name where it come from, came from. We don't thank the Lord that good and positive and exciting things are happening. We can just sit around like today, Mother's Day, you all are gonna go to lunch. There's going to be moments at that lunch that are gonna be just joy and great. There's gonna be little kids and laughter and you're gonna eat good food, I hope. Go to good restaurants, guys. Don't go to McDonald's. Go to good places. Uh, and, or maybe you like Big Macs and if that brings you joy and that's a good and perfect gift from the Father, just do it. Don't eat too many of them, right? Just, just take it easy on them. Uh, but in those moments, just thank the Lord. Just name it. This is a good gift. I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. The second thing I, I want to point out from these passages is we can receive the word 
and we can reject the world. And I think this is significant um, because what Scripture talks about and what James has talked about up to this point is that, that the way that we resist temptation is by the power of the word. Revelation says by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That we trust the work that Jesus has done and we trust the word of God. We love the word of God. We believe in the word of God and we stick with it. And so listen to this really practical application. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Some of you need this at your family dinner today, right? Right? Today at lunch, if you're going with your in-laws, if you're going with that weird uncle who tell, loves to tell you about how much he loves his favorite politician, right? if you're going there, maybe today be slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls." Uh, it feels like being slow to speak, slow to anger, is the opposite of where our culture is going right now. Uh, I, I, how many of you are, are at least semi-connected to social media? You at least look at it maybe once every three days. You look at some social media outlet. 90% of you are lying right now. <laughs> Liars. You're in church. How many of you watch the news or look at social media in some capacity at least once a week? LinkedIn, guys. How many of you are on LinkedIn? <laughs> All right, we're, get, we're starting to get towards some truth, right? Uh, uh, here's the reality. I log into those things, and, and every single day it tells me what I should be outraged about. There was a playbook that came out. It was really interesting. About two years ago, there was a playbook for how our news media actually got viewers. And the two biggest things they did to get viewers was fear and anger. And so what Fox News and CNN are both doing <laughs> is they're stirring up fear and anger. They want you to walk away feeling afraid and feeling angry. It's part of their playbook of how they actually build this. It actually is in documents that run through all of those organizations. This is what we're going to do. We're going to stir up fear and anger. And we're going to help people not to be slow, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We want people's responses. We want people to immediately post on social media about how outraged they are or about how angry they are. And this has infected the church, too. Like there are so many people around who are just, we're, we, we've got to be angry about everything. We've got to be worked up about everything. This is the thing that we're frustrated about this week. This is the thing that we're angry about. And we just stir up all of this anger. And there are things that we should be righteously angry about, right? Can we agree on that? There are things in this world that are not as they should be. There are things in this world that we should be passionate about. There are things in this world that we should stand up for as followers of Christ. But there is a posture in that righteous anger that is different than the world's is a humble posture. And I get worried when I see the church lean into an arrogant posture that, is, that stops listening, that stops paying attention, that demands things of other people that we're not willing to do for ourselves. And so there's this beauty in this, this training of biting your tongue. Like, you know what maturity looks like 95% of the time for me? Not talking. Are you with me? 95% of the time, maturity for me 
is not me saying the thing that needs to be said. It's me not saying anything because I said too much already. And so I'm learning over and over again to be slow to speech, slow to anger, to listen and to pay attention to people in front of me, to be humble. I love what it says here. It says we imp- the word is implanted in us. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meat with meekness the implanted word. This word has been placed inside of us. It's been put inside of us. And, and I, like I, I, I turn 50 next year. So I, I turn 49 in December, and then next December I will be 50 years old. We're gonna have a big party here at church. It's gonna be, it's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of like, Walkers and I, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, I, I went to the doctor this week, and the doctor said, "How are things going?" And I was like, "I don't I don't know." I was like, "Everything seems to hurt, and things don't seem to be working, and I'm not sure if they're broken or if I'm just getting old." Has anybody else experienced this? Like, I, I just I'm not sure if this happens to everyone or if this is just happening to me. I, uh, and and I, I went through, like, I, I think I need glasses. I think I need knee surgery. I don't have any ligaments in my ankles anymore. Uh, I, I'm gaining weight. My cholesterol is pretty ridiculous. They've got me on cholesterol medicine. That doesn't seem to be doing a great job. It might be the Big Macs. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, but, like, there's all of these things that I'm just unloading and, and, and here's what I realized walking away from the doctor. Like, I have to be really strategic about what I place inside of me now. The older I get, I have to, like, pay more attention to my diet. I actually don't eat Big Macs, right? I, I have to, but I, but I like cookies and ice cream, right? I, I've got to pay attention to that stuff. I, I, I have a Peloton in my house that is not used nearly as often as it should be. Uh, and, and when it is, it's not used well because my knees start hurting the moment I start riding it. Like I, 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 there's all of these things that are going on and, and so there has to be this strategic process for me of implanting good things in me and getting bad things out of me. Does that make sense? And the older I get, the more serious that seems. Right, when you're 20, you're invincible. You don't care, you can eat anything. My children, my two boys, I have an 18 year old and a 21 year old son. They can eat whatever they want. My, my son told me yesterday, I had five pieces of pizza for breakfast. <laughs> like, I, I can't even eat spicy food after seven o'clock anymore. <laughs> like, any, not even just like real, like anything a little spicy after seven o'clock, I'm up all night. I'm, I'm burping, I'm like, I'm just sitting there, it's terrible. Um, I'm letting you guys in too much. Uh, I, but you, you, when you, the older you get, the more serious it becomes to pay attention to what you're putting inside of you and what you're, what you're doing with your life and with your body. And, and the question that I have today is, is, are you working to implant the word inside of you? Are you training towards righteousness? Are you working hard to receive the word and to reject the world? Are you working to get the stuff out of you? that Jesus wants out of you and to place inside of you the things that Jesus wants in you. Number three is that we first must hear the word. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. There are so many passages in scripture about listening and hearing. Jesus talked about it all 
the time. I want to show you guys this real quick video, and it's of a little baby hearing his father's voice for the first time. Uh, he had a cochlear implant, uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful video. Can we get that going? that amazing? I, I love those videos, and I love the picture of this is the first time he's heard his father's voice. And every time I watch videos like that, especially when it's a dad speaking to their kids, I think through church services where I've sat here on the front row and I've watched people come forward who just heard their father's voice for the first time, who just heard the Lord Jesus say something, just heard the Holy Spirit move in a way that was fresh and that was new. And sometimes it's kids who are young and we get the joy of watching middle schoolers or high schoolers get baptized. And sometimes it's adults who have spent their whole life not hearing the words they need to hear from their father. And then there's this moment when something clicks and they hear something that really matters. Scripture talks a lot about hearing. Uh, when Jesus was tempted, Jesus said, we live on the word of God alone. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying this, there is an appetite inside of all of us. And our appetite either grows or diminishes for the word of God. And I would ask you, are you in a season where your appetite to hear from the Father is growing? Or are you in a season where your appetite to hear from the Lord is diminishing? Are you more passionate about hearing from him than you were a year ago? Are you more excited about spending time in the presence of your Father than you used to be? Or are you learning? Matthew 13, 13 through 15 says, Though seeing, they did not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused and they, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. This is a picture of the church. That we're all here week after week hearing the word. The word is opened up every single week. But do we actually pay attention to it? Jesus talked about the sower who's planting the seeds, and some seeds fall along the ground and they disappear before we even walk out the door. We hear something that goes in one ear and out the other. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the reality for all of us is we can turn and we can be healed. We can, be, we can hear. Um, here's what I want everybody to do, and, and I know that some of you, how many, how many introverts in the room? Uh, introverts, I just need your help in this. I promise I'm not going to make you stand up. We're just going to do one moment of a quick out loud thing. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three, and when I count to three, I want everybody in the room to say in a normal voice. You don't need to shout it, extroverts. All right, you don't need to shout it. Introverts, you don't need to whisper it. You don't need, some of you are going to be tempted just to do this. That's actually what you do when we sing, too. Uh, sing it out loud. Let something come out of your voice. 
On the count of three, we're all going to say in a normal voice the name of your mother, father, brothers, and sisters. All right? One, two, three. All right. Did you guys get that? Did you get anybody's? You got a couple of people got the person beside them. Uh, like I, I heard this person. They might have been saying it louder than others. Right? You got, but when everybody is talking, when there's enormous amounts of noise, it's impossible for us to comprehend. This feels like my everyday life sometimes. I wake up. The first thing I do is I go to my phone. There's noise on my phone because my phone is telling me what I need to do that day. The first thing I look at is my email box and my to-do list. And instantly, I'm like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get moving. I got to hurry. I got to get this thing done. And then I'm half listening to my wife and my kids as I sprint out the door, and I'm half hearing what they're saying. Any, par- any other fathers in the room are like half hearers sometimes? Yeah. Uh, wives, are, uh, maybe, maybe you could affirm that better than your, than your husband. Uh, yeah, that we're, like, there's, there's things that are being said, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, I hear you. I hear you, but I don't actually hear because there's so much noise in my head and there's so many things going on and then I get distracted by everything. Oh man, I'm so distractible. I start, I start the day and I get into my seat and I'm starting to work and I'm starting to find the flow and then this goes through my head. I wonder who won the Lakers game last night. And I can't get that out of my head until I find out about the Lakers game. And then I go to ESPN, and when I'm on ESPN, I see the Lakers score, but I also see there's a big game coming up tonight. And oh, what time is that game? And then I got to check my schedule and find out, can I watch that game? Am I going to be around tonight? What do I have going on tonight? And then I realize I've got a dinner with friends. But if I arrange that dinner correctly, and if I play my cards exactly right, I can get out of that dinner on time to see the second half of the game. And then I'm planning my evening. And I've been working for three minutes. It's so easy for us to be distracted. It's so easy for us not to hear the word of God. But what scripture teaches us is that there's one voice that matters above all the others. That there is one voice that we need to pay attention to. And that when the noise is overwhelming and when it feels like there is a lot of information and a lot of things coming at us, what we are called to do is to make space to hear from that one voice to quiet ourselves, to hear that one voice. Too many of us live with extensive insecurities that keep us questioning what others think, what others, peop- what others believe about me, what, and when we're trying to please people rather than please the Lord. And faith overcomes insecurities. Faith prioritizes God's voice above all others And so knowing what God wants us to do, hearing his voice, helps us overcome all of our people-pleasing tendencies. It helps me to understand that there is one voice that I need to run to. Uh, I I took a three-month sabbatical last year, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Uh, And since then, what I've done is I, I, I loved having some rest time, and I love being intentional with three months without work and three months with resting. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't do that every year. Uh, And so what I've done is I've kind of set it up so that one day a month, I just take a day, and it's just like my day with the Lord. And it's just a day where I get away, I, I literally get away. I don't do it at home, I don't do it in Marietta. I go somewhere where I'm alone, where it's quiet, where there's nobody else around, And I just spend some time with the Lord, and I just talk to the Lord. 
When I did my sabbatical a few months or last summer, I read a book and it was called Thinking with God. And it was this idea of how God shapes your thoughts, right? He doesn't just shape your actions. He doesn't just shape, but, it, but he actually we can take our thoughts captive and we can surrender our thoughts to the Father and we can say to the Lord, I don't want to just speak for you on a Sunday morning. I want to learn to think like you. Will you teach me to like, when I have a conversation with people, to see them the way that you see them? Will you, will you help my thoughts to become more submitted and surrendered to you? I'm, a, I'm an amateur at all of this, right? I'm trying to figure this out. But this has been really helpful for me to go through my day and to simply say, Jesus, help me to think like you. When I get stressed or anxious or worried or fearful or afraid or, or my people-pleasing stuff kicks in, I just start saying, Lord, help me to think like you. What are you thinking in this moment? What do I need to hear? Will you remind me who I am in you? Will you remind me what my task is? Will you remind me what my mission is? Will you remind me who you've called me to be? And, and, and in that space, if I can get away and be quiet, I can make that stuff happen. It's one of the most beautiful times of rest and getting away, but I'm actually asking God, how do I do this when I'm not getting away? Like, how do we do this in the normal, every day? How do I do this not in my one month of silence where I'm away from everybody else and it's quiet, or not when I'm on my three-month sabbatical? How do I do this consistently every day? And the question that I want to ask you today is, is where are you making space to hear from the Lord? Where are you creating margin in your life to hear from him and to pay attention? Number four, we must then be doers of the word. Hearing and doing is the pattern of faith. I've said this from the moment I arrived here as your pastor. I think one of the first sermons I ever preached, I said there's two discipleship questions that matter to us. There's two questions that shape us, and that is what is God saying and what are we going to do about it? And faithful followers of Jesus pay attention to both. They pay attention to what are you saying to me, God? What are you inviting me into? What are you asking me to do? What are you calling me to care for? Who are you calling me to reach out to? What are you calling me to do with my finances? What are you calling me to do with my time? There is this surrender of everything to the Father and a listening to discern what is God saying. But then there's also this space where there's action involved with that. That I don't want to just submit everything to Jesus, hear what he has to say about it, and then walk out the door and do nothing about it. I want to actually submit and surrender everything I have to him. And I want to say, God, I want to know what you're saying. I want to hear my father's voice. And I want to have the same joy that that little baby did every time I hear my father's voice. I want to know. Jesus said, you know what a disciple does? They know the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of the Father, and they know what the Father is saying to them, and they're walking in that. And, and so what do we do when we can't hear from the Father, when we're not hearing his voice? Scripture says we ask, right? James, just a few verses back, says if you lack wisdom, if you're not hearing, if you're not understanding, then ask for it. If you're in a season where it feels dry, if you're in a season where it feels like God's quiet, if you're in a season where it feels like you're longing to hear his voice, or you're asking him questions and he's not answering you, what do you do? You ask for it. You make space, you posture yourself, and you recognize that sometimes God is saying no, sometimes God is saying yes, and sometimes God is saying wait. And so we cannot manufacture God's voice in our timeline. I do this all the time. I am, I am moving fast all the time. There's a lot going on in my life, and so I want God to answer me right now every time I ask him. And God's time is not our time. 
The time in heaven, I don't think they're watching their watch and paying attention to their nine to fives. I don't think they're worried about next year or the year after that. There is a different timeline in heaven. God is interested in us, in shaping us, in creating us, and that means he's not always answering me in my timeline, and so I have to be patient. So I ask for wisdom. I patiently wait, and then the third thing that I do is I actively co-discern with people who I trust. This is a huge part of our church here. It's one of the biggest things. So people ask us a lot, how have you built such a culture of prayer? And the number one thing that happened was I inherited a culture of prayer because there's godly people here who pray. That's the greatest thing that's happened to us, and that's the greatest gift that I've been given as a pastor here is people who have built a foundation of prayer here at this church. The second thing that we do is that we co-discern what God is saying, which means there's not five people in here that hear from God and then the rest of people who don't. It means all of us are hearing from God. It means there's not one person that stands up in front who's the one that hears from God. It's not just the people who take a check from the church that hear from God. Everyone is hearing from the Lord. And so we actively co-discern what God is doing. And so what we do when we have a vision for the future of the church, what we do when we have a vision for changes that we're going to strategically make, what we do when we're making plans is we co-discern that together with the leadership of the church and with people that we trust. And we say, Hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I'm paying attention to. What do you think? And I can't tell you how powerful that is. And in a world where power is corrupting, and in a world where we read another scandal that happens in the church week after week after week after week, we read all of these stories of pastors who were the one person that could hear from God in their communities And it created problems in the future because it created power structures where everybody had to submit to what their word or their interpretation of that was. Healthy cultures say, we want to co-discern what God is doing. Healthy leaders say, this is what I sense. I'm submitting it to you. What do you guys think? And we listen to the whole and we listen to the group. And so this is what healthy churches do. If you're a young person and you're trying to decide a next step for you, You're trying to decide, what's that next job? Do I move to a different city? Do I marry this person that I've been dating? What do I do? Then I would suggest you to find some leaders around you who look like Jesus and co-discern those things with them. Invite them into the process. Say to them, I want to learn. I want to hear. Will you help me sort this out? Will you help me learn how to hear from God? And, and, And we hear from God through the written word, right, which is the logos. But we also hear from God through the whispered word, which is the rima. There is the written word and there is the whispered word. Can we get that up on the screen here? we've, We've got the written word is complete. It's the Bible, right? It's complete. It's general. It leads us to knowledge and the written word instructs us and it's so powerful. But there is also the whispered word, which is the whisper of the Holy Spirit. It's the still small voice that rings in your head. It's your conscience. It's it's this part of you that tells you or leads you or speaks to you, and, and, and you sense that God is doing something. And so it is specific. It's personal, and it leads you to wisdom. And the whispered word guides us. It doesn't just instruct us. It guides us. And so we want to pay attention in our culture to both the logos and the rima, but in that, we also want to co-discern what God is doing in those spaces. We want to pay attention to to how God is working in all of those spaces. And then this is interesting, too. 70% of human human communication is nonverbal. 
right? So 70% of human communication is, is happening not through the words that we're saying, but through the ways that we're posturing ourselves. When I preach a good sermon, I can tell that I preach a good sermon that you guys like, not based on what you say to me. I'm looking at you all right now, and some of you are enjoying this right now, and some of you are not. You are speaking very loudly, some of you, with your, with your posture, with the way that you sit. Some of you just shake your head no sometimes. Like, I, I see these things. Like, I, I actually, I'm, I have eyes up here. I, I can, we, there is nonverbal communication that's happening all the time. And some of us are sensors. Like, we notice the thing behind the thing. My wife and I see the world very differently, and so she takes everything at face value. Everything is very black and white to her. She takes what everybody says, and then I'm seeing the subtext in everything. And so we'll have a conversation with somebody, and I'll get in the car, and I'll be like, can you believe what they just said? And she's like, well, this is exactly what they just said, and repeats word for word. And I was like, yeah, but this is what they meant. I don't know if you guys have those conversations, but there is this nonverbal communication that is always happening. What if 70% of the Lord's communication to us is not just the written word? What if it sometimes is the whispered word? What if it's sometimes hearing God's voice conceptually, seeing a picture, getting an application or a metaphor in your mind? Sensors are always looking to experience God through seeing and tasting and touching and hearing and smelling and knowing that God is constantly communicating and that he's always at work. Verse 23 says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There is this real strong picture of we can sit with the word of God, we can hear it, we can listen to it, we can pay attention to it, we can make space for it, and we can immediately walk away and completely forget what it says. And so we must be a people who pay attention. We've got to be a people who make space to hear because there's moments in my life where I have clearly known what God is inviting me into. I just didn't want to do it. Are you with me? And the reason that I didn't respond to God's voice is because I didn't want to. The Bible defines that as sin. It's choosing my way over God's way. It's saying my will is more important than God's will. It's saying I know what is right, but I'm refusing to walk in what is right. I'm refusing to step into what is right. I'm refusing to walk in that space. And so oftentimes the problem is not that I didn't hear. The problem is I didn't want to hear. I thought I wanted to hear until he actually told me. Anybody start praying about your finances and find out God's saying some things that you didn't want to hear about your finances? There's been so many times where I'm praying for God for my finances and I'm like, Lord, could you give us a little more? And he's like, could you give me a little more? That's not what I asked Jesus. That's not what we were talking about here. I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and walk the other way and get out of this prayer as quickly as I can before you ask me to do something hard. You with me? And so in this room right now, here's my belief. My belief that in this room right now, there are people who long to hear from the Lord. You're like that baby who just needs to hear from your father. And God's been quiet. And maybe it's been a long season of God being quiet. And today's a day where you just need to say, I'm gonna ask boldly. 
I'm going to ask for wisdom. I'm going to ask for the voice of God. And then maybe there's some of you in the room who you know exactly what God's told you. You know exactly what he's invited you into. But it's scary. And it's terrifying. And you're afraid. And you're worried. And you're nervous. And you know what you need to do. You just don't want to be a doer of it. And you need to come and say, God, I trust you. And so for the rest of the service, we're just going to open up space. We're going to open up the front here as altars. We've got little pads here now. You can sit on the pads so it doesn't hurt your knees as much. Uh, And our prayer team is going to be here. And Angie and the band is going to come up. And Kaylee, Kayla. And and we're going to just kind of take some time and and just create some space for us just to listen to God. Uh, Communion stations are going to be open. And so you can grab communion. And and as you do that, I, I want you just to ask Believing that the Heavenly Father who created the world, who breathed the world into existence, who knows you and created you as his masterpiece and knows everything about you and has deposited in you good works that he's prepared in advance so that he could get those out of you, that that Father right now wants to speak to you. I, I think that the Lord wants to speak to you about your business right now. I think he wants to give you wisdom about that next step with your job right now. I think the Lord wants to speak to you about your relationships right now. That relationship that's broken and feels like it can't be resolved, he wants to speak to you about it. That the Lord wants to speak to you about your future and your future plans and the plans for what's next. That the Lord wants to speak to you about your heart. He wants to remind you who you are and who you're called to be. That the Lord wants to remind you of your identity that's rooted in him. I I, I believe right now, right now, in this moment, we have access to our Heavenly Father. And the question is, in this space, right, I'm not even asking you to do it tomorrow morning. In this space right now, can you make space in your heart for that? In this space right now, can you take five to 10 minutes and just posture yourself and surrender your heart and pray this simple prayer? Lord Jesus, would you speak to me? Lord Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Lord Jesus, where do you want to lead me? And so today, if you're feeling like I can't hear from God, there's a block. I've tried and I've tried and I can't hear from him. He's silent right now. I want to invite you to come and pray. Pray with some of our prayer team who will lay hands on you and pray with you. Pray at the altars here as a sign of surrender and simply cry out to him saying, I want your voice more than any other voice. I want to cut the volume on the loudness of the world and I just want to hear from you. And would you be brave enough to come? And then for some of you, it's I know where I'm supposed to go. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what he said. I just don't want to obey it. I think there's some people in this room who for 30 or 40 years you've known it. You've known exactly what God wants you to do. And you've been walking in disobedience because of fear, because of doubt, because of a lack of trust. And today's the day where you need to have the faith, the genuine faith, enough to stand up, to come forward and say, today is the day I'm gonna start walking in obedience. I'm not gonna keep hearing from him and turning my back and going the other way. And whatever that step of faith is, I'm gonna take one step closer to the kingdom today. And I'm gonna say yes and amen to what the Lord is calling me to. And so we're going to simply open up space. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up space, and we're just going to, 
I'm, I'm hopeful that the room, we move and or walk, walk around the room and find spaces to pray. If you've got friends that you want to pray with, if you've got people in your life that you want to co-discern with, go find those people right now. Say to them right now, I'm, I'm thinking about something in my life, but I'm afraid of it, and I'm not sure whether I'm getting this right. Will you help me co-discern what God is doing? And let's just create space. Let's create a moment in the room where we can just pray and seek the Father. So Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move and work and have your way. We trust that your voice is the voice that matters. We trust that your voice is the voice that we run to when we're hurting. That your voice is the voice that we run to when we need wisdom. That your voice is the voice that we run to when we've forgotten who we are or what we call, we're called to do. And so today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move and to speak loudly in this room. I ask you to do the work that I cannot do. I can preach the word, but I cannot speak to hearts, but you can. And we trust and we believe that your spirit is active and moving and working in this space right now. We believe that your kingdom is right here in this room, that heaven is close, that this is a thin space between heaven and earth. And we ask that you move. We ask that you speak. Lord, I ask for the heart right now that is stubborn, that is hardened, that doesn't want to hear from you, that doesn't want to enter this moment, that doesn't want to pay attention right now, I pray that you would break through. I pray that your gentleness and your kindness and your compassion and your love would pour out on our hearts so that we would fall in love with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you want to hear from us as much as we want to hear from you. We thank you that you invite us into your presence. We thank you that you know us and we thank you that you love us. And so we ask that you have your way in this space right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.